the PSN studios at Chicago's 2112. This is PSN College Football with your host, Scott Sanders. Hello and welcome to PSN's College Football Weekly Show. I'm your host, Scott Sanders, on the Podcast Sports Network, coming to you from the studios at 2112 in Chicago's northwest side, where the movie filming is still happening outside of the studio windows here, so our otherwise soundproof conditions may be compromised. I understand it is a a three-month contract that they've signed with one of the major networks to do some filming in the hangar at 2112. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with the facility where we record the Podcast Sports Network, Uh, It is a fantastic place with uh, several recording studios, a soundstage uh, booth such as the one that we're coming to you from, uh, and just an all-around really creative opportunity in a warehouse on Chicago's northwest side. So anyway, get in touch with PSN College Football via Twitter with the handle at PSN America or preferably through the PSN listener hotline at 833-5000-PSN. That's 833-500-0776. Be sure to leave your uh, name, your city, and which show you're calling about from the roster of PSN shows. Uh, We may use your comments on the air. It certainly helps influence the topics that we discuss in each of the shows. So coming up on today's show, we'll go through the most recent college football playoff rankings and see if we have any uh, qualms with how the season is shaping up. We've got a, a fantastic, interesting, unusual approach to our trivia for this week's show, and we'll go through the upcoming schedule for this weekend, uh, both the top 25 action and the uh, best non-top 20 top 25 games of the week. A uh, lot of player movement. We'll talk about some of the uh, new entrances to the player portal, and we'll give you a week 13 viewing guide along with our recruiting news, our top stories in college football this week, and other things that we do in each episode, including the best game day signs of the week, and a, a funny um, commentary that that game day is headed to Columbus for the Penn State Ohio State game and there is a grassroots movement to try to protest against game day coming to Columbus through a perceived SEC bias of uh, folks in Columbus having been left out of the college football playoff as if the folks at ESPN on the game day set Lee Corso himself are part of the college football playoff rankings committee but anyway let's get into our first topic and that is uh, these rankings that we just mentioned talking about the most recent update, the second of the weekly college football playoff rankings from the committee. As we look at the rankings from the committee for week 13, there really isn't much to quibble with yet because there's three undefeated teams, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson, and they're each ranked one, two, and three. And if you look at the body of work, you could say that perhaps Ohio State should outrank LSU or vice versa. The committee says it's LSU at the top, and they have a uh, complete body of work. Ohio State has played impressively, and I don't think there'd be much argument that of the three undefeated teams, Clemson has been least impressive so far in 2019 as compared to the Tigers and Buckeyes from LSU and Ohio State. But there's still plenty of football action to go in the in the last couple weeks of the season where these rankings are going to have the opportunity to vet themselves and resolve themselves as we head towards the playoffs in most situations. Then when we look beyond the three undefeated teams, we start to get to those teams that are all 9 and 1. And there are currently 7 9 and 1 teams ranked consecutively in the 
coaches poll. There's one more, which uh, is Baylor, that are in the top 15. But for these seven teams that sit behind the three undefeated teams, it goes in the following order. Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Utah, Penn State, Oklahoma, and Minnesota. And there's really little to quibble with there as we look at the 9-1 and one teams. Georgia was preseason third in both the AP and the coaches poll. They have their one inexplicable loss to South Carolina, followed by Alabama, but without Tua, you know, how much credit and really we should talk about that. If Alabama wins out, including a win over Auburn, they're not going to get an opportunity to play in the SEC title game because of their loss to LSU. So what do you do with Alabama, say, if Georgia gets blown out by LSU in the SEC title game? Do you say without Tua, the team has earned it? Does it depend on how the team plays these remaining weeks of the season, particularly against Auburn? You know, or do you say, hey, if we started today and Alabama played a full season without Tua, where would they be ranked? Would they be towards the bottom of that? And if the college football playoff committee's stated goal is to get the best four teams into the playoff, I think you could say that Alabama wouldn't be one of those top four teams at the end of the season if playing without Tua. The next two teams in the ranking at six and seven are Oregon and Utah, each at nine and one, and they're on a collision course for the Pac-12 championship game. One of those teams is going to fall out, and the other team is going to have an impressive top 10 win to help boost them into that top four picture. So you could see a Pac-12 team this year getting into that final four if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC title game and the committee doesn't recognize Alabama as a contender without their star quarterback. So either Oregon or Utah uh, is on pace or is on a trajectory that can clearly get them into that top four. Then sitting behind Oregon and Utah is Penn State, who still has this weekend's date with Ohio State. Then they'll have an opportunity if they beat Ohio State to play in the Big Ten championship game, likely against either Wisconsin or a rematch against Minnesota, followed by Oklahoma and Minnesota, rounding out the top 10. So Oklahoma has their loss to Kansas State. It was 48-41. And then their miraculous come-from-behind win against Baylor this past weekend. They're on a collision course with both Oklahoma and Baylor, two games ahead in the Big 12 for those two teams to meet in the Big 12 championship game, where Oklahoma has an opportunity to play at a neutral site and put a a more impressive win against Baylor to help make their case. So if they finish the season at uh, 12-1 and and their only loss coming to a Kansas State team that has been ranked for part of the season, 48-41, if they do so in an impressive fashion with talented star power on their roster, Oklahoma may have a chance to climb up into that top four, but they're going to need not just certain games Games to break their way, but the style of those games to break their way as well. Minnesota's a feel-good story. The CFP ranking committee moved them way up after their home win against Penn State, but then dropped them down two spots from 8 to 10 with their loss in Kinnick Stadium. Everybody knows how difficult it is to play at Iowa late in the season. Minnesota just the latest victim of the Hawkeyes playing in Kinnick in November. So that's your top 10. You know, really little argument. LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson at the top. Ohio State still has this weekend's game against Penn State. That win, should it go the Buckeyes' way, may be enough to vault them past LSU in the mind of the committee. 
but LSU really has an impressive body of work, and it may be very difficult to unseat them from that top position. Either way, if LSU and Ohio State stay 1-2 in either order, then they don't face each other until the national championship game, and that looks like that would be a fantastic way to end this year's college football season. Clemson 11-0, they just sort of need to take care of business and slide into that third spot, and then it's a, a rapid battle for the fourth position. Georgia with the chance to play against LSU, if that's a close game and people want to see that rematch, then Georgia and LSU might play again in the semifinal game. If not, I really think that there's an opportunity for Oregon and Utah to climb up into that four spot if people don't want to see that rematch between LSU and Georgia. So the way I would project it from here to the rest of the year, looking in the crystal ball, will be one form of either LSU or Ohio State at one and two, Clemson third, and then either the winner of the uh, Pac-12 championship game, Oregon or Utah, climbing up over Alabama and Georgia into that fourth spot if the games break the way they should between now and the rest of the season. If you look farther down the CFP rankings, say between 11 and and 20, there doesn't look to be a candidate to do any kind of late season heroic climb through the rankings. You've got Florida, who already lost to Georgia, sitting at nine and two. Wisconsin has that embarrassing loss to Illinois. Michigan has the embarrassing loss to Wisconsin. Baylor could climb up if they play Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game and accrue some style points in addition to the victory, but they're still going to have to get by that those Pac-12 contenders, the SEC's second team, and going from 14th, where they were ranked only 13th before the Oklahoma game, for Baylor to climb all the way up into the top four looks unimaginable at this point in time. Auburn with three losses isn't going to get there. Notre Dame's not going to get there with their embarrassing loss in Ann Arbor. Iowa's at seven and three. They moved up three spots with their win over Minnesota, but that's still too steep of a climb, and we're not going to see anyone of the nine and one uh, group of five teams, Memphis, Cincinnati, or Boise State, climbing far enough to get into the rank rankings, though one of those teams will play in a New Year's Six Bowl. So really there are, say, four, five, six teams with a legitimate shot to crack the top four and get into that uh, playoff realm, and then Alabama perhaps as an additional team. Uh, But again, given that they won't play in the SEC title game and are playing the rest of the season without Tua, it's unlikely that Bama is able to climb uh, even from their five spot to crack the top four and, and be one of the teams represented. Now, one of the things I found interesting in comparison between the AP Top 25 and the CFP rankings is that it looks to me like the College Football Committee came up with their rankings and then did some sort of eye test head-to-head adjustments, you know, nominally moving one team higher or lower than another team. So, for instance, Wisconsin put a beat down on Michigan, so the committee has Wisconsin ranked ahead of Michigan, you know, one slot. They each moved up two uh, slots over the past week to 12 and 13 respectively, but in the AP writers poll, they've got Michigan ranked two spots ahead of Wisconsin. And so, you know, you can do that when you've got just a bunch of random votes coming in. But when the opportunity is for a committee to collectively come up with a ranking, you can do some of those head-to-head adjustments to make sure that they're represented. Then lastly, closing out our discussion of this week's rankings in college football, one of the sites that I love 
in looking at the rankings are the individual votes for the AP Top 25. Uh, it's fantastic to me that I see that Illinois and North Dakota State each have a vote. It's it's funny that Illinois would be ranked in the top 25 in any individual voter, but you know, hats off to the Illini and, and Lovey Smith for turning things around and at least showing up in the others receiving votes. There's a site called collegepolltracker.com that lists everybody who votes in the AP poll and their ballots, and they do it in a visually impressive grid fashion, and you can see who stands out. So when you look at the overall rankings in the AP Top 25, LSU has 54 of the first place votes, Ohio State has five, and three people have Clemson ranked number one. And you you know, you know, say to yourself, when you look at the body of work on the season, how could anybody at this point in time still have Clemson ahead of either LSU or Ohio State? Well, you can go to collegepolltracker.com and take a look and see who those people are. So the three people who ranked Clemson number one one of those is a person named Connor O'Neill from the Winston-Salem Journal. You know, they're in the heart of ACC country, and so you could see that they might have a bias and be m- most intimately familiar with the Clemson program and, and believe strongly in those. The next, uh, the other two who have the Tigers ranked number one, one is a gentleman named Dylan Sin from the Journal-Gazette in Indiana, and the other is a guy named Nate Mink from the Syracuse Media Group. Each of these uh, guys look like they're in their mid-20s. In fact, Dylan Sin grew up in the Chicago suburbs, according to his bio listed on College Poll Tracker, uh, and is working now for a paper in Fort Wayne. Uh, he looks like his high school senior picture is the one that's that's on the bio form, but he graduated uh college from Indiana in 2015 uh, and then received a master's degree from the University of Maryland in 2017. So just a couple years out of school uh, himself. One of the great things that the site uh, collegepolltracker.com does is it lists biases one particular voter may have for or against a team uh, given their relative ranking compared to other people. So anyway, the three people who ranked Clemson number one uh, here, you know, after the week 12 action rather than LSU or Ohio State. One of those is from uh, Clemson country, you know, in Winston-Salem, and the other two are relatively junior compared to some of their uh, brethren on the whole ranking committees. Then you start to look at some of just the, the weird rankings, and you can click on any one of these people and see you know, how they differ from uh, the rest of the voting class. So the, the person who put Illinois ranked 25th, uh, he's had that for a couple of weeks, Michael Vega from the Boston Globe. And you can see, you know, he shows a bias for Southern Methodist and against West Virginia, Michigan State, and Oregon. And just to sort of see the definition of what that bias is, his bias towards Southern Methodist, he's had them rank four spots above average over the last eight weeks. The bias is against West Virginia ranked five spots below average over five weeks. Oregon, four spots below average over 13 weeks. And Wisconsin, four spots below average over 13 weeks. So you can start to see the data influence, you know, the bias for or against certain teams from certain pollsters. But of the pollsters in the AP, total of 62 of them, that starts to even out. And that's when you get the anomalies of, you know, Wisconsin beating Michigan badly, yet being ranked two spots behind Michigan in the overall rankings. Together, the 
First seven teams are identical between the CFP rankings and the AP 25. They've got Penn State and Oklahoma reversed, Minnesota and Florida reversed, and then they start to move, you know, one or two spots away from each other in the rankings down to the 25th ranking in the poll. Texas dropped out of the CFP rankings, Navy after their beat down to Notre Dame, and then Kansas State, which briefly appeared in the CFP rankings, has also dropped out. Navy, Texas, and Indiana dropped from the AP 25, having watched Watched the Indiana-Penn State game. Indiana had been ranked 24th. Yes, they lost to Penn State, but you know you might be inclined to actually move them up with how well they played against Penn State at Penn State. So you know you're not going to spend much time arguing between the you know 28th and 29th ranked teams in the country. But Indiana's loss, a quality loss, may have actually moved them up into the rankings. And that quality loss uh, comment, I bring that to the attention here by way of segue to talking about the best game day signs of the week last week for ESPN's flagship Saturday morning show. But before getting into the game day signs showing the creativity of college kids across America, I want to offer a reminder to get in touch with the show through the PSN listener hotline, area code 833-5000-PSN, that's 833-500-0776, or via Twitter, at PSN America. This is Podcast Sports Network's College Football Weekly. I'm your host, Scott Sanders. My two favorite signs so far of the year continue to be the one that said Urban Meyer burned down Cheryl's sheet shed, referring to the ubiquitous commercials about Cheryl getting a new she shed after her original one was struck by lightning, a she-sheer she shed. Too bad Urban Meyer burned that down. And the second favorite one being from Beale Street when ESPN visited Memphis for the Memphis SMU game, where an SMU fan held up a sign saying, we paid players before it was cool. So right now, those two are the uh, front runners from my perspective for the best signs of the year. But for week 12, down in Waco for the Oklahoma Baylor game, Chip and Joe, the uh, fixer-uppers, were the celebrity guest pickers. And The sign that said Chip and Joe can't even fix OU's defense was a funny one. I mentioned the Indiana quality, quote unquote, quality loss. There were two signs talking about quality losses, uh, making fun of Oklahoma, you know, wanting their Kansas State loss to be a quality loss and, and help them stay atop the polls. My girlfriend breaking up with me was a quality loss. And my favorite one of the week, well, probably my second favorite one of the week uh, was the one that said the college football committee declared Germany the winners of World War II because of its quality loss. So with Germany being the winners of World War II through a quality loss against the uh, Allies, uh, that was funny. But um, a couple other funny ones, there was a a couple kids who had a sign that said, Forky hates OU, uh, the uh, disposable fork from the recent Toy Story movie. And we measure 9-0 with a ruler spelled for Matt Rule, R-H-U-L-E-R. So a little bit of uh, the comedy from the background of the college football game day scene in Waco. Another one uh, that, you know, very creative, said Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, and Baker Mayfield all agree that Oklahoma is a second choice school because obviously they started elsewhere. So uh, some creativity there. We'll see what kind of creativity is presented this week in Columbus, where not only game day will be there, but the uh, Big Ten Network will have their show there and the big noon kickoff Fox show will all be in Columbus for the big 
Penn State, Ohio State game. As mentioned, there's a grassroots movement to get people to boycott the ESPN game day as if that's going to happen, as if other people wouldn't view that as just a, a better chance for them to be on television and get their signs seen across America and spoken about on shows like PSN College Football because they feel that the bias that ESPN presents influences the college football committee and everybody collectively is biased for uh, the SEC over particularly Ohio State, without uh, referring to the fact that the two years where Ohio State uh, didn't make the playoffs and, and Buckeye fans feel they should have were two years that they got blown out at Purdue and blown out at Iowa. Talk about not being quality losses. Each of those two losses really downgraded Ohio State's chances in those years. But anyway, that grassroots movement to try to boycott game day. We'll see if either of the other shows uh, make mention of that or if there's any any perceivable difference in the atmosphere for game day this week in Columbus. Keeping things on a lighter note here for PSN College Football as we head into week 13, our uh, weekend before Thanksgiving, we start to get into some of the rivalries uh, this time of year. We normally do some type of trivia or uh, some type of, uh, you know, reference to a player in the past and, you know, unveil clues along the way with each of the uh, blocks of the show. This week, we're going to take it a little bit differently. Usually there's some context relevant to the given week, and and this is uh, uh, certainly that case. Rather than give you clues about a player and a number and you know what his stats were and what big game he had in an earlier incarnation of, of a rivalry game for this week. I want to read an article about the first meeting between two teams that are going to play this week. I'll sort of call it Team A and Team B, but we'll go through our clues this week and see if you can identify who it is uh, who represent our answer to this week's trivia through a great story of the first game between these two schools. I won't yet give you the source of the article that we're reading from here today because it would give away uh, what the schools were. But these two schools have met 33 times in their history. This year will be the 34th. But let's go back to the first meeting between the two schools, and that was in 1912. The year was 1912, where Team A was coming off an 8-0-1 season in 1911, their greatest record to date. They had made the jump from a respectable team to a power team that was beating traditional powers in their region. Under the direction of head coach Bill Hollenbeck, Team A was facing unprecedented success. But Hollenbeck had bigger ambitions. He wanted to take Team A from being a regional power to a national power. And to do that, he looked elsewhere. Team B was set to join a new conference the following year. And while they had enjoyed several successful years in their current conference, many questioned whether they were worthy to join the new conference due to the poor level of competition they had been playing. Their coach, John Richards, felt that a win over a team from a different region would give his team more prestige and quiet their critics. So on November 16th, 1912, the two schools, Team A and B, met for the first time, not realizing how intense the rivalry would become nearly 100 years later. When Team A's players arrived in the city of Team B, they were shocked by the greeting they received. The local media gave them little respect, arrogantly predicting a two-touchdown victory for Team B. The local fans were equally rude and disrespectful. Before the game, Coach Hollenbach shared several of these headlines from the local papers with his team. All the papers predicted a route in favor of Team B. 
By the time kickoff came around, Team A's players were ready to rip someone's head off. As the players took the field, the 3,500 fans in attendance laughed at the small town Hicks from Team A's school. They especially had a good laugh at the quarterback from Team A named Shorty. Shorty Miller stood 5 feet 5 inches tall and weighed just 145 pounds. But what Team B didn't realize was that Shorty was an old school version of Derek Williams, a small player with darting speed that could cut on a dime. Had Team B known Shorty Miller would one day be in the College Football Hall of Fame, they probably wouldn't have been laughing so hard. So that's the preface, or that's the first part of the article. We'll uh, keep giving you clues as we go through the article and then certainly give credit to the author and uh, the author's publication in a great story of the first matchup over 100 years ago between these two teams. So let's head to break. Coming up after the break, we've got the top stories from college football this uh, past week, the best games of the week, and then player moves, you know, who's entered the transfer portal. We've got the week 13 viewing guide and then just a little bit of recruiting news at the end, all getting you ready for the action here uh, the week before Thanksgiving in college football's week 13. Uh, it doesn't look like we have any live reads right now, so we'll go to our commercials. We'll come back in a minute from uh, these commercials and jump into the top games of the week. Again, Scott Sanders here on PSN, PSN College Football Weekly. Want to stay informed of the new PSN podcast news and announcements? Be sure to visit podcastsportsnetwork.com and join our free PSN listeners club. PSN College Football is brought to you by Tribute Gardens. Tribute Gardens offers professionally designed do-it-yourself landscape plants providing intimate spaces for your yard. Each Tribute Garden plan comes with the plan designed by renowned landscape architect Michael Snyder, a concise materials list with everything needed for your Tribute Garden, and step-by-step instructions for your project, all for just $99. These 10-foot by 10-foot gardens are perfect weekend projects. Plans include the perfect gardens for your lifestyle, such as reading books, having a glass of wine, or enjoying a cigar. Or create a tribute to a loved one or beloved pet. There are even plans celebrating specific holidays and to show your affiliation to your favourite team or school. Each tribute garden plan is customised for your area of the country. Visit tributegardens.com to order your plan today. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. You're listening to PSN College Football with host Scott Sanders on the Podcast Sports Network. Call the PSN Listener Hotline to add your comments to the show at 833-5000-PSN. That's 833-500-0776. 
Follow PSN College Football on Twitter using at PSN America. Welcome back to PSN College Football. I'm your host, Scott Sanders. Again, get in touch with the show through the PSN listener hotline, 833-5000-PSN, 833-500-0776. That's the PSN listener hotline. Give us a call, let us know your thoughts, leave a message. We may use that in an upcoming uh, edition of the College Football Podcast. Be sure to leave the uh, show that you're commenting about on the listener hotline because we share that listener hotline with each of the other PSN shows. But as we get into our, our second block here on this week's edition. Uh, let's talk about the upcoming games of the weekend. And to be honest with you, it is a really a, a dog of a slate. As we get uh, towards the end of the season, everybody sort of taking a, a step back before rivalry games really come to the center beginning next weekend. There are a couple rivalry games this week, uh, but none of those actually involve top 25 teams uh, unless you count Penn State and Ohio State as rivals. Certainly not the primary rivals or the historical rivals of each team, but that's by far the biggest game this week and the only one featuring two teams in the top 25. These happen to be two teams in the top 10 with the second-rate Buckeyes hosting the number 8 Penn State State Nittany Lions in Columbus. Because there's only one game between top 25 foes, that's why each of the pregame shows are headed to Columbus for this week's matchup there, again, between Penn State and Ohio State. So let's delve into that game. We'll also talk a little bit about uh, some of the other games involving top 25 teams. Uh, Texas A&M visiting Georgia, Texas at Baylor, and Michigan at Indiana. Those are the four games among our top 25 that we'll talk about. And then we'll spend a little bit of time in the third block talking about some of the best non-25 games including a couple of rivalry games, UCLA at USC this week and Cal at Stanford, both from the Pac-12. A third Pac-12 game that has some interest is the rising Beavers of Oregon State uh, visiting Washington State in eastern Washington on the Palouse. And then one other one, this one from the East Coast, Pitt and Virginia Tech. Uh, we'll talk about those four games as our slate of non-top 25 games to discuss this week. But let's delve now into that Penn State-Ohio State game, spend a couple minutes on that, and then briefly three other top 25 games. PSN College Football is brought to you by Flatiron Resources. Flatiron is a consulting firm specializing in Salesforce design and implementation for your business. Flatiron was even named by CIO Applications Magazine as one of the top Salesforce providers of the year in the US and has performed projects in over 20 countries. Whether your business is large or small, Flatiron works with clients to improve business performance. Flatiron Resources, helping business thrive. To learn more, visit www.flatironresources.com. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. My name is Hunter Hayes. I know myself and I know my buzzed warning signs. One shot is about knowing my limits or not 
necessarily knowing my limits. I start with one shot to have a good time. One of the signs that I'm starting to feel a little buzz is when I start solving not only my own problems, but the entire world's problems. When I know I'm going out, I know I'm gonna start with calling for a ride. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. You're listening to PSN College Football on the Podcast Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's episode of PSN College Football. Find PSN College Football on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you find podcasts. I think it's time to let go.